0: Hi, this is Andy Crawshaw from The Game Plan Podcast, where we'll be discussing functional fitness, health, well-being, and becoming your best version. If you're looking to perform at your best in the gym, on the competition floor, or in just everyday life, listen in with Carter Douglas, the creator of The Game Plan, and myself.
1: Hey guys, this is Carter Douglas. We'll be discussing topics and strategies that you can put to practice right away to build long-term habits for life.
0: Hey guys, this is episode 3 of the Game Plan Podcast. Welcome. And firstly, uh, I, th- I know I said this in the last episode, that we weren't going to bring up the virus. But I think if we didn't, it'll be just weird at this point. Just, you know, it's kind of in the culture now. It's a part of our lives globally. So let's talk a little bit about survival
1: I like that way. I like Sly. makes it sound like we're midway through like an apocalypse or something like that, which really, for some people, they're probably taking it that way. Like, my, yeah. There's a lot of uh, interesting thoughts and reactions to this whole thing.
0: Yeah, in my head, it's almost just like The Walking Dead right now. It's very similar to... like yeah, I'm expecting Rick Grimes to just ride down the road in his horse, that kind of thing. It's just... It feels really odd to live in this kind of environment where, literally, you're going to the store and half the shelves are, em- are empty, yeah, And it's just a strange a kind of process, I guess we're trying to like... But for you, how
1: about yourself? Is this a big change to how you live? I think the hardest part has been like, as you experienced with me this morning when we went into that coffee shop, walk in there and, you know, we're putting cash in a tub now or getting told that we have to pay by card. And, you know, there's that, what, one and a half or couple of meter barrier between myself and the barista and, you know, we had to walk in a certain direction and out a certain direction in the coffee shop. Yeah, it's actually quite triggering.
0: It's like, it's, it's, a, it's an anger-inducing time in, in anyone's life, I feel. Yeah, for sure. For sure, People are just so unsure. I've had a point, like, my mum is Chinese and she was telling me this story how every time she was walking, well, one time she was walking down a street on one side of the footpath, someone coming in in the opposite direction actually crossed the entire road to walk around her and she just, like, kind of brushed it off as, like, yeah, that's regular behavior. I felt that was a little bit racist.
1: Is that, like, did that happen recently or is this, like, in the past? Before? That was, like, a couple
0: of, oh, there, there are other times that when, that, when we have done that because we have seen someone, like, threatening. But, like, this is just for, from her in the last couple of weeks. It's Not even oh. too recent. This is Perth, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perth yeah. isn't that uh, strict on these. I feel like the people in Perth don't care enough yet.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, completely with you there. We're a little bit relaxed, but we're so isolated from the rest of the world.
0: I guess we're the most isolated city in the world, right?
1: I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Yeah, is it statistically the like name or something? Is it statistically?
0: Yeah, I think so. And even though that's the case, we have also just uh is it What's the rule? You can't every like little town is now locked down for 6 months?
1: I don't know. So you can't escape it. Yeah. Yeah, I, oh yeah, your, your regions, you can't leave your region. Yeah, that's right. To you're be re- fair, we're breaking so many rules right now. We're like within one and a half meters of one another while we're filming this. We shouldn't
0: say oh, that. Corner. I know there's a lot of podcasts where they literally have uh, different setups in people's homes. They're recording these on like, online. Should uh-huh. we? Oh yeah. I... Too bad. It's too late now, guys. Sorry. Just don't call anyone about this. <laughs> yeah. If you're a police officer, please. So I guess we wanted to just come and talk a little bit about the concept of survival. Because I, we're seeing a lot of workout videos out there, even nutrition tips, a lot of content that we can uh, consume in regards to, I guess, optimizing little bits here and there. But from our perspectives, we feel like this is not just about optimizing your, your health or your fitness in this time, but also just mentally surviving and getting through these tough times. It's a big shift in the way we live, you know, because we have gone through just trying to build habits in our regular everyday life before this. And being thrust into this whole new environment where we now need to work from home, we can't be in close proximities with our loved ones. It's throwing everything out of whack and we kind of need to almost adjust our habits to apply to this type of lifestyle moving forward in the next couple of uh, weeks or months or how long it's going to be. So kind of like, I guess from going from your regular everyday life and now working from home a little bit more and also interacting with people a little bit more uh, differently. Have you seen a change in just like your mental state or just anything out of the ordinary now?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So in general with this one, like my mental state behind all this, I personally love change. So not saying that this is a massive positive thing, but anything that gets thrown My direction like this, I really love it because I am using this time to do a lot of things that I've wanted to do for a while that I've never been able to do. So, this for me, I'm seeing as a massive opportunity, and that is the way I'm approaching it. Obviously, yeah, you know, like I'm missing being able to be in the gym and coach people, I'm missing that sort of social aspect, but I feel like that is counterbalanced by so much more positive that I can do in other aspects and areas of my life
0: I I agree with uh, with that actually yeah I feel like it's a very healthy way of looking at it as well just seeing that the time that you have now available for yourself and just to develop yourself it's now so much bigger than it ever was yeah so we can now spend a little bit more time I guess reading the books that we have been putting on the back burner doing the courses what specifically have you uh, started doing differently?
1: (sighs) so my mornings my mornings are nowhere near as rushed as what they used to be before it was pretty much get up get out of bed start start the day instantly i've taken a little bit more relaxed attitude to the morning gone and process my day well, i go buy a coffee or make a coffee then come back to home write down my plans for that day a real methodical way to plan out the rest of my day every single morning rather than before it was like rushed and i felt instead of uh, responding to the morning And responding to waking up I was reacting to the morning And reacting to waking up
0: That's interesting I feel I, I got the same Kind of a Flow now With the mornings too. Like I'm, I'm waking up a lot later mm. I'm actually getting Like a proper Amount of sleep I Which feel, is big
1: for Andy If you know him
0: Yeah like oh, I think in the past Like in the last 16 weeks It's been like 5 hours Interrupted sleep And now it's I've been waking up at 7am I feel great But at the same time, the reason why I think that's the case isn't just because. That's the thing we can't really maintain it because everyone else is kind of in the same seat. They're mm. they're also probably a little bit slower to get up and being a little bit more methodical. And as a result, you don't feel that pressure externally from people going asking you for things uh, or checking your emails and responding. Do you think this is something that's a healthy thing? A healthy thing now that would probably sabotage us going into or back into a hectic lifestyle after?
1: Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. I haven't really thought that much into it, but my initial thoughts just after you asked me that question is, if any of you guys have read the book Perfect Day Formula, Mm. it's literally, and we'll talk a little bit more about books later on, but Perfect Day Formula, it's a great one about literally creating the formula for your perfect day. And... I believe that the process that I'm setting up right now would be sure. Maybe I'm taking a little bit more lax than what I should, but this would add some of these things that I'm working on now would be a massive part in creating my perfect day. So every single day, what I would love to be able to do and how I would uh, organize it would probably match some of the things that I'm doing right now.
0: Yeah. Okay. I guess now you talk about it, I feel like because everyone is in the same position, that this might be embedded into our culture a little bit more, having a little more time on our hands to set the day up in the way that we want to set it up so that we can have a good you know rest of the day and week. So perhaps this is actually a positive thing that we may not go away from in the future. hopefully that this is like a positive thing that comes out of this entire chaos. So perfect day. what else would you add to your morning you think? Based off that book even, because I know in that book they'll probably talk about you know morning journaling. I guess everyone's different, right? Yep,
1: yep. Everyone's different there. And in that book, it really does talk about that. Like It gives you recommendations for how to set... Well, the author, Craig Ballantine, it talks about his perfect day as well as ways for you to implement yours. And he very much is a journaler. He loves you know, writing stuff down and whatnot. Other people, not as much. Me, personally, I'm not a journaler. I love writing purely notes or even like little sticky notes and sticking it to my desk underneath my computer of what I need to do for that day or even, you know, the notes app on my phone. But I'm not the sort of person to write a lot about my day or, you know, what has happened, my my emotions, my feelings, all that sort of stuff.
0: Okay. I've, I find, yeah, I guess getting into the habit is the hardest part. I've tried doing something similar. I don't know if you've heard of... Uh, probably a lot of people have heard of Tim Ferriss and his, yeah. yeah. Uh, he had the the notion of creating morning pages yep. where you'd literally just write a page randomly, handwritten, of course, to just freeze your thought process on paper so it doesn't ruminate during the day and can take control. I found that when I was doing it in the past, that helped out a lot because I would just get up and naturally have the neurotic thought patterns from the previous day infect the morning so if I did, if I got up and the first thing I did was just write down all the garbage that occurred in the last twenty-four hours, it at least let me like sit back and reflect on that, and I could actually probably you know process the the day's tasks a little bit better. So I found yeah. that works. I haven't tried that now. What I have been doing now is similar to what you've been do, uh, talking about, which is just taking things a lot more slower. So I've been actually taking time to make breakfast and trying to be conscious during it so i'm i'm going through the motions, but you know smelling the coffee making the breakfast tasting the mm, smell of coffee it's the best thing in the world right now oh god i can actually spend time making the drip yeah the drip coffee now with the the filter versus you know getting the jar of Makona. like i feel like that's a big difference in my life right now and the one thing that i felt was a big impact to my nutrition prior to all this was the speed of which i ate because I am one to just wolf down everything in huge quantities and not actually feel satisfied. Yeah. But now uh, I've taken a lot more time to just prepare breakfast and try to almost time myself during the eating process. I wouldn't park myself in front of a computer. I'd actually sit in front of the, um, like at the kitchen counter, eat, and putting down my fork You know, during uh, between uh, like mouthfuls so I spend a little more time chewing thinking about the food, tasting it, enjoying it. And I found as a result that has helped me quite a bit in in just feeling more satiated and Mm. more healthy. Uh, That's one habit I do definitely want to keep moving forward after all of this. Uh, In terms of training though, uh, that has been the worst side of everything. I feel like because I thought I'd be okay. I thought I'd be okay with the weights I have at home. Absolutely not true. I only have like 16 kilogram kettlebells and that's it. So it's safe to say you're a bit stronger than what sixteen-year-old Andy? Oh my god! Probably not. I feel, I feel I was doing leg lifts, like like toes to bar, because I was doing a lot of them back then when I was just trying to get some abs as a sixteen-year-old boy. And Don't
1: impress the girls. Exactly,
0: and and uh, I was way more. Uh, I had way better muscular endurance back then. <laughs> I could do like five sets of like twelve reps with like 30 seconds rest, easy back then and now I'm just like struggling to even hold on to the bar my shoulders hurt like I feel old so I'm trying to now get back into my 16 year old self that's terrible <laughs> so I, I don't know I guess a lot of people have the access to equipment from their gyms if you know if you went to a CrossFit gym and they're leasing out equipment you may have that or you have your own collection from the past if you don't have anything and you just what do you think is the best course of action Can you do what you know? Like you don't have any
1: equipment, so yeah. (laughs) So I think gyms have done an amazing job of how they've had to adapt with this because obviously they copped a massive blow here. A lot of gyms are either leasing out equipment, whether that's for a small fee every week to try and cover their rental costs as well or whether they're actually just lending out their equipment for free to the members. Um, you know, that might be one piece of equipment, it might be a couple of pieces. Some people are, you know, doing bar and bumper sets. People are doing awesome things there, so people can still train. Equipment, as handy as it is, it is definitely not necessary when it comes to your training. We're going to sidetrack a little bit too when it comes to, like, goals here. Um, just out of the equipment side of things, but a lot of people... Well, humans in general, we're creatures of habit. So, you know, we spend so much time in our routine, in our habit. We do the exact same thing every single day. We go to the exact same classes. Mm-hmm. If you're at a class every single day, train at the exact same time. Everything just becomes methodical in our lives, which means we can all become a little bit stagnant. This has literally thrown a massive curveball to us. We now need to either, you know, lose our routine, become lazy slobs and watch every single thing on netflix or we can actually adapt a little bit and make ourselves a bit better throughout this a big thing when it comes to training is for most people they had goals around the gym whatever their sport may have been we'll take crossfit for example because that is most of our audience here a lot of people would have had barbell oriented goals or you know might have been the open or it might have been a competition sanctionals you know maybe even the crossfit games something like that a lot of people have these goals, which are really relevant to the equipment they use within a crossfit gym. Now, all of a sudden, majority of that equipment's gone. Unless mm. you know you forked out big for a nice home gym or your mm. gym is amazing to lease you everything, you now need to. You can't have those same goals. You can in the long term. But I hope these were long-term goals for you anyway. You're not going to be able to have these goals because we don't know how long this whole thing is going to last and I'm not even going to try and make speculations on this podcast. Yeah, I wouldn't. (laughs) You need to have goals around what you can do and what you have available to you. If you're lucky enough to lend a bar and bumpers but you've got nothing else, you're going to be having to make goals around that bar and bumpers and then bodyweight movements. If you only have body, you don't have any equipment whatsoever, you need to maybe make do around or make some goals around running or around body weight movements. That's a good point. I mean, I personally have made the goals around running because
0: there's a park across my road and I know I will get better at my aerobic capacity. Mm -hmm. So I've just been pushing that quite a bit recently. But is it unrealistic to think that maybe even with the light weights that you have at home or even if it's like you're putting, you're you're fashioning two chairs and a broomstick together and you're making like a barbell, is it unrealistic to think that if you really worked hard at it that you can actually
1: improve on your fitness so when you come back to the gym you're actually better oh it is definitely not unrealistic whatsoever i've had this conversation with a fair few people at the moment and i can guarantee that a lot of the people i'm working with are going to come out of this as better human beings in general in some form of a physical capacity i'm not necessarily saying if their goal was to deadlift 300 kilos and they're currently sitting at a 250 and they only have 100 kilos of plates, that's going to be a little bit harder to try and achieve that goal. But there are many other methods that we can actually, or many other ways that we can actually build that person and improve that person as a human being. Sure, that goal might need to take a little sidetrack, but now we can actually really focus on so many other factors. Those factors being not just
0: training, but also like your mental, just your mindset in relation to, or maybe even your nutrition, or are you relaying this directly to fitness, being
1: better as a human at the uh, sport that they're doing? So what I was just saying was I was relating that directly to fitness, but now that you brought that one up, if some of you guys may have listened to Ben Bergeron's podcast, uh, Chasing Excellence. That's a nice little plug for them there. But he regularly talks about five factors of fitness, and all of those are within your control right now. You know, those are nutrition, exercise, sleep, mindset, and your relationships. So, if you're talking about those ones, you know, you can easily control your nutrition right now. You can easily, well, most people should be able to control their sleep more now than they used to be able to. Mm. Uh, Their training, you can still train, you can still uh, focus on your training and focus on your exercise. It may just look slightly different. A lot of people are just taking the, playing the victim card right now and just not training or you know saying I can't do what I normally do so they're just not doing anything at all
0: right so back to your original point which was taking full uh responsibility for yourself and also taking the much uh was, 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 what did you say before opportunity
1: yeah making the most <laughs> of the opportunity
0: <laughs> that's right so not playing the victim was a big thing I think especially starting off where it's like man I don't have my 40 kilogram dumbbells I can't build any strength in my chest now Chess, Do I, I put your bicep curl in the forties? You had to bicep them up to your like rack position, so you can start doing, <laughs> so you can start doing the bench. So, but with that said, uh, getting better in training from a training perspective, what are some of the um, examples you can probably give to that you've given to your
1: clients to become better as humans in the context of training? So something that I've had a conversation with with the majority of my clients is redesigning their goals temporarily a lot of people have um, goals when they that are really fixed towards a target you know it might have been x weight on the deadlift etc so what i've tried shifting their mind to now is more of a process related goal So something where they focus on actually getting up every single day, they focus on training, they focus on doing and going through the motions rather than actually the end result. So instead of it being a result-oriented goal, focusing more on the process behind it, still having result-oriented goals within that, but focusing on themselves actually doing the work to keep themselves healthy, to keep themselves fit, to actually work on their mental health as well as their actual physical health. A big thing that a lot of people, I think, miss is we, a lot of us should know the term progressive overload. People seem to relate progressive overload directly and pretty much only to strength training. People seem to think, you know, week one, you do five by five, whatever lift at 100 kilos. Week two, you do five by five at 105 kilos and sweet, you're progressively overloading your system. You're getting yourself stronger. You can progressively overload anything in your life. Yeah. Absolutely, that can come down to your running that can come down to your gymnastics movements if we're talking at like a real basic level like a real macro level something super basic if you wanted to get better at a 5k you can easily train to get better for a 5k within this time sorry 5k run you can easily train to get better for a 5k run and you and I had a big conversation about this one the other day Um, we can also do the exact same when it comes to your body weight movements you know I know a few people who technically want to you know pass the physical fitness test to become a police officer and all of those movements i'm pretty sure you do, oh sorry all those tests i'm pretty sure you don't actually need a weight really besides like a sandbag for so a lot of that stuff you could easily do at home you can easily get better at push-ups you can easily get better at the beep test and people don't understand that you can progress yourself in that way a lot of people just think it's just throwing random movements together and random workouts together without actually taking into account overall volume accumulated that week.
0: Hmm. Okay. So, I- even on that, like you mentioned, it can be applied to anything. Progressive overload, you can look at it from a context of even, uh, your, I don't know, can you do it with recovery? You can't, that's too much of a, a weird metric in it. It's too uh, specified
1: to a human. Yes. So maybe not, but maybe even nutrition though. Yeah, well, if you think about it this way when it comes to recovery, if your work increases, your recovery is going to have to increase to try to counterbalance said work. Right, okay. So if you're working for one hour a week, whether that's training or actual work stress, one hour a week, you know, you need X amount of recovery dependent on the person to be able to uh, match that. If your training, or sorry, if your work all of a sudden increases to five hours a week, your recovery is going to have to increase as well to match that. So, in theory, one goes up, the other should in turn go up as well. So it's relational, okay?
0: Yeah. With all this, with all this said, I feel personally, anyway, that uh, to help out with this whole process of, I guess, progressively overloading in other areas of your life, tracking has been a, has gone up a ton in this mm-hmm. period of time. Like macros, I guess a lot of people have already track them quite regularly well some people do I've tracked it even more now just in case that you know I eat a little bit too much and knowing that I'm more sedentary uh, I need to have that con- um, that conscious behavior of how much am I eating and kind of shifting other values to- in relation to that so I know that I'm definitely not getting my 10,000 steps in every day I'll have to eat a little bit less in terms of uh, caloric intake this uh, moment do you think that there's other areas you can start tracking Or are you tracking
1: it personally? If anyone knows me, if you do know me, I personally struggle with it when it comes to me personally, anything to do with nutrition. It's not an area in my life which I spend a lot of time or thought or effort into. But in saying that, I would say that I put enough thought into it into trying to eat Generally, what I consider healthy I pay attention to my body if I feel like I need to eat I'll eat more I'll always try to choose the healthy options in saying that if I want something unhealthy I'm going to go for it regardless
0: I feel like just mentally that's probably the best um, attitude to have otherwise you, you are going to freak out in this time you're going to eat more calories during this isolation period regardless so it's probably the best time to even think about building more strength and more uh, physical muscular size if that's even close to a goal that you have just because you will be in a surplus most likely and you probably can do a little bit more high volume in terms of your uh, rep ranges because you have less weights that's what i'm finding personally anyway but let's say let's go let's take us back to the training as well because i have another question for someone who has the goal of getting stronger like heavier deadlifts heavier squats is there anything that they can do now to apply that in the future when they're back into the gym and they're lifting with a barbell. Let's say they only had their body. They have to do body weight movements. So is there anything they can do now that could apply to that?
1: Yes, there is a lot. So, and that would obviously depend on the individual because there may be a lot of factors in this. For example, you can really focus on your movement patterns. Let's say we'll take the, the deadlift for example. If someone is really, really bad at deadlifts, but they want to improve their deadlift, let's say bad positioning wise, now's the time that you can really take that back to basics and just move a broomstick over and over and over again and fine tune those positions. Using that same example is like a deadlift. If you go hard on a a massive deadlift cycle and do a ton of reps, it takes a rare sort of human being to come out of that one without an absolutely cooked lower back or pelvis or hip region. So now is a perfect time that you can really build a lot of glute strength, a lot of lower back strength. You can do a lot of like almost isolation isolation or even rehab-esque type movements to make sure that your system as a whole is stronger and healthier than it was before. So when you do come out of this, you can actually hit the ground running, and go for it. Not too fast, guys, but you can actually go like ease yourself into a new cycle and be able to improve greatly. So, like, glute bridges at high volume, would say? You, could, you don't even necessarily need high volume. A great way that um, means you can reduce the volume is if you add tempo to a movement. Right, so yeah. just increasing the, um, I guess, time and attention? Yeah, yeah. You don't necessarily need to increase the volume as in just the rep, the amount of reps you're doing but by increasing the tempo there you are going to build strength in the positions that you want to acquire as well as build overall tendon strength to make you stronger.
0: And you can apply that to other um, lifts as well I'm assuming so that was the deadlift you can do it for your your bench
1: by you know, improving your, well, your shoulder mobility or your strength in your shoulders. Yep, so depending on the person You could definitely increase your shoulder mobility You could be improving You can actually increase your lockout strength a lot By practicing things like handstands You know, your elbow lockout, your tricep lockout You could also really improve um, Your bottom position So, you know, coming off the chest By doing some deep deficit Mm, push-ups Do you recommend actually working on Like a a weakness movement uh, For a person in this
0: period of time? The only reason why I bring that up Is because Let's say, for instance, handstands was uh, a challenge for you. Because you're now probably only working on handstands or majority of your time is working on handstands or upper body work, uh, are you more at risk of injury now because you are limited to the actual movements themselves?
1: I reckon you need to look at this in a similar manner to how you would look at a general gym program, meaning you wouldn't want to spend a lot of time doing one exact movement, for example, you never want to be doing a squat everyday program that is absolutely horrible for your knees. And in general, unless you are incredibly intelligent with how you can work that one, it generally doesn't work out that well. But you can, in this time, focus on every couple of days practicing a movement that you are weaker at. You might have another movement, for example, something like a pistol that you are weaker at. So you could one day work on some handstands, next day work on some pistols. You know, And coming up with an intelligent training program around this time... Is important because it is an easy time to, to overload movements. If you're bored, you know, I mean, runners are one of the highest rates of overuse injuries. And if your goal is running right now, and you're running every single day for many Ks, there is a high chance. It's interesting because now, I guess a lot of people are going to be programming for themselves. Yeah.
0: If they're not already following their gym's uh, online program that they're uh, putting out. So... To, com- to combat that, what are some tips that, if you are programming for yourself, that you should probably know? Maybe like a almost, don't give us like a one-on-one like a uh, crash course on how to program, but maybe like things to not do when programming for just your individual self
1: at home. Okay. My first answer is not going to be things to not do. It's things to definitely do. Okay. Add rest days in. This is a big missed one. People think that because they're not lifting heavy or they're not absolutely smashing themselves by going a million miles an hour all the time, they feel like they don't need to have a rest. That's
0: true. I agree with that because I almost feel guilty now that I'm not re- that I'm resting uh, on these days where I'm not training at that volume. So,
1: not so to so rest more, if anything. Not necessarily more. Depending, obviously, on the human being, but without being too individualized, there try and rest. Similar amount to what you normally do. Don't yeah. change that too much, yeah. eh? Don't change that too much. I would try to keep as much routine as you can throughout this time, if possible try to keep training at the exact same time as what you normally would at the gym, obviously in your own home, but try try train at the exact same time. There's a 4.15 class, but you'd normally go to train at 4.15 at home. Yep, train at 4.15 at home. You know, um, try, if you rest Thursdays and Sundays, still try to rest Thursdays and Sundays. Maybe on those days, if you're allowed out of the house, go for a bit of a walk. Or, you know, you could sit outside in the sun and do some stretching, do a little, do a ROM wad, something like that on those rest days. But keeping rest is important in this time. The other thing is when you're looking at programming for yourself, look at your body and yourself as a whole. Don't look at just individual movements. Try to think about where you are weak in the gym and outside of the gym. So think about where you are weak and really try to focus on those areas without absolutely overdoing it. Right, right. So what would
0: be classes overdoing? let's say, uh, handstand push-ups, for instance? Would you say doing that twice a week would be a little bit too much at a, uh, at a reasonable volume of like, I don't know. It's hard to actually say because I
1: guess it's very individualized, right? 100% very individualized. Every person recovers completely differently. Every person's training age is different. You know, someone who's been training for 10 years and let's say five of those years were in gymnastics – they're probably going to be out of handstand every single day and be completely fine with it. Take that back to someone who's just learned how to do that first handstand and they're probably going to end up putting a foot through a or wall because they can <laughs> either get that pissed off or they stack a handstand. So really just go off feel, I would say. Then. Yeah, if either starting- consult with a coach that you, know, you trust a lot or completely go off feel. If you feel like you can't give a good effort on that day, either change it to a movement that you know you can or make that a rest day. It's going to be
0: very hard, though. I mean, trusting in a coach is it's much more easier because you know that they have that uh, experience and you can almost feel accountable to them. Being accountable to yourself in terms of feeling and knowing what's right for you versus you know, just thinking that you're maybe weak-minded to not do the movement, it's, it's, it's really walking a, a fine line, I feel. Do you think that there's anything you can do to combat that thought process?
1: so that one, that's a deep, that's a deep tunnel to go down there because a lot of people, in particular people who are very competitive, will always play the I'm tough, I'm going to do it anyway card. Those sort of people are generally the people who, even though they listen to their body, sorry, they read their body, they just don't listen to their body, so they know that their body's giving them warning signs but they just argue against those warning signs. Then you've got the whole opposite end of the spectrum there of the people who just do not understand their body whatsoever and don't understand when their body is trying to give them signs to slow down so they just keep going and keep going and keep going. I feel like now is a great time to actually really try to focus on how your body is feeling. For example, every single workout, spend five minutes just laying down after a workout. Think, how did your body feel during that? What do you believe you could have done better do you believe that you gave your best on that day for that workout so yeah. paying attention and learning is going to be a great thing here because a lot of people go into the gym and they have no idea what they've done they have no idea how they approached any of it they just go in and they just work for the sake of working
0: now mm, i 100 agree with that uh one thing and just taking a, a bit of a sidestep here Like, just taking time to really assess how your body is responding to certain stimuli during the day has been a big part of what's evolved, especially when now that I'm spending time with myself more isolated, because now I'm not just with my thoughts, I'm with how my thoughts um, uh, impact how I feel and how I actually work without having other stimulus like people interrupting or even motivating me. So, uh, in terms of like a mind process thing, like... Just knowing that certain parts of the day I'm going to feel a little bit more or less motivated where I naturally would have an external stimulus to empower me or excite me and get me working harder, I now need to do that for myself. Another, side of, another part of that is from a nutrition perspective because I now know exactly how much, and as I talked about before with tracking, what value of carbohydrates and in contrast with fats and proteins do I need to eat feel the most optimal for just myself to work at a desk for let's say five hours at a time and what i would normally do is just eat my regular diet and be able to power through work and have other stimulus trying to excite me and or push me uh, through a task now wouldn't work anymore because i'm i guess i have the options to uh, distract myself i can go if i feel even a slightest bit uh distracted i can go watch netflix if i want to I can do all these things that would naturally not be in my, uh, uh, it, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be an option. So I now know that waking up and if I even have a, a higher uh, carbohydrate um, breakfast, that would slow me right down for uh, because I guess I'm spiking my insulin perhaps at that point in time, allowing me to work less. Whereas if I went to work after a high carbohydrate diet, I know that at work, I might even do a few you know, walks around the block, I might train a little bit, I might be a little more active, draining that insulin level a little bit faster, so I can work for longer. All these different factors may come in play, but I guess it's very much for me about feel. So I now would have a much more higher fat, higher protein breakfast, and I can get into work a lot more quicker. And you may argue that that's maybe a, uh, a what do you call it, like my brain's just tricking me into that. But... That's just how I've responded so far. Have you experienced anything like that recently?
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. Definitely paying attention to every other part of your life right now, whether that's nutrition or not, and coming up with a process of, and paying attention to your body, what makes you feel good, and what makes you be able to do what you want to do. For example, like you were saying, if you eat a high-carbohydrate breakfast, you're not able to work straight away. So you need to come up with a plan of what, is your day, want what do you want your day to look like? Okay, if you want to actually get up and work at 7 a.m., then you're not going to be able to have that high-carbohydrate breakfast. So, apparently, your body there is really, really good. I have a question for you, Andy. Before, yep. when we are in the car getting a coffee, you were talking about NEAT, and yeah. you were talking about how that is actually affecting a lot of people um, in general right now. Could you tell people what NEAT is? And roughly what you are talking with me about Around how that's affecting people right now?
0: Yeah, sure. So, NEAT basically uh, stands for your um, what's well, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So basically, what that means uh, in its most basic format is it's how much work or movement you're doing, which is not uh, a part of physical, like bringing your heart rate up and releasing cortisol. So it's just your it's like shifting in your seat. It's getting up and walking around. It is moving uh, your coffee cup off the desk and sipping it. It's chewing gum. These little movements that you do during the day that are very subconscious, these are uh, uh, contributing to NEAT. And one common metric that we would use to measure this is steps. Now, is it the only metric? Absolutely not, but it's the only one that we can really track consistently for most people. And uh, personally, I have like a a, a smartwatch that does it for me. Uh, Some people use Whoop. Some people have other systems, Fitbit, but generally that's a big factor in how we uh, regulate our uh, our weight loss or just our weight maintenance, our metabolism during um, every given day. So what Kata was saying is how it's actually affecting us now. Well, we're more sedentary. We're sitting down. We're at a desk at home. We're probably not moving around the office. We're not walking around the block as much. We don't have that much we don't have anywhere to go. Our shops are shut, so we don't have the options to actually roam, which may be a subconscious thing in our day, but now it's quite um, it's quite powerful in how much we burn uh, uh, calorie-wise during the day. So if you, if you notice you're gaining a little bit more weight or you feel a little more sluggish, that's probably one of the reasons. You're probably not having enough steps. So one thing we can do to start to track it all is to literally track your steps. So maybe set a goal for yourself. If you have a tracker... Uh, pr- uh, prior to all this, I was trying to go for about ten thousand steps a day, around eight to ten thousand. That was actually quite a bit. I remember when competing for men's physique, it went up to fifteen thousand, and it was because your metabolism does naturally slow down when you're eating less. So you want to counteract that by moving more. It's it's uh, it's a bit of a rabbit hole to get into, but stepping uh, taking a step back and talking what you can do, uh, talking about what you can do, perhaps starting to increase your your step level to whatever your maintenance is. So track it for a couple of days. If your maintenance is like 6,000 steps, bring it to 8, bring it to 10. See if you can challenge yourself. If you have the option to walk around outside, uh, do it. If you can walk around in the backyard, do it. Take time out of your day to move around just a little bit more so you can create a, a bit more of a, a caloric, um, not deficit, just burn more calories during the day. So, So this is one of the factors you want to apply to your entire nutrition plan or fitness plan when considering uh, your fitness, you have your NEAT, and you have your... uh, There's a lot of other factors. What else would be a big factor nowadays? Your fitness plan? Yeah, yeah. Your intake? It's just your general intake. Yeah. Yeah, so... Your sleep? uh, Your sleep. These are just things that... This is just one factor that people don't really talk about too much because it feels like it's just a couple of steps and maybe a couple of hundred calories a day that you're burning extra. I think on average, uh, about 10,000 steps is 200 calories.
1: Give or take around that. Give or take. Yeah,
0: Yeah. exactly. And that factor will shift around given your metabolism as well, which is very unmeasurable. Uh, So just be mindful that you are moving less and you need to start moving a little bit more relative to how you used to be. But just bring that to the front of your mind so you're a little more conscious about it. That's what we can do at this point in time in the context of need.
1: Love it. Good explanation there. It was a good conversation with you this morning on that one. All right. So we we're talking before about a bit of personal development for people. A lot of people right now are taking that. Well, are probably in that switch between are they going to take the growth mindset or the fixed mindset? Are they going to sit on their asses on the couch? really be lazy are they going to say woe is me the whole time are they going to watch every show on Netflix and not learn a single thing mm. or are they going to come out of this whole thing as a better human being Yeah, and I mean yeah. that physically mentally emotionally everything I think
0: the theme of this whole um, uh, recording is taking uh, this opportunity with both hands and saying what can we do to actually grow out of all of this yeah. and become better humans as a result of something pretty uh, chaotic and tragic tragic so uh. Books. We're going to talk about books.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So earlier when we are in the car, we were discussing, you know, books that we've read that like really, I suppose, influenced a way either maybe what we're doing now or maybe just in the past, what we have been doing, whether it's in our life or whether it's the way that we interact with people, yeah. interact with others, etc. Yeah.
0: I think going through a tough time in your life or if you're just trying to become better, like books have been a huge... Oh, crutch they're a huge aid in just elevating your thought process so you can uh, take things into your own hand and and become better in those situations uh, I think I can't remember a good quote about books but they're all good that's that's my quote so we have <laughs> a, we have like a top I that guess that's from Andrew Croshaw yes get it on a shirt we have a top five list there's of course a lot more and we may make this a like, recurring um, part segment of the of the podcast just books that we feel uh, of the week that might actually help you guys out in whatever you're doing in life. So these okay. aren't gonna be fitness related specifically, they might be mindset related, these might be uh, autobiographies, anything that just is good for people, we feel, anyway.
1: We especially feel some of these ones are very relevant right now, with okay. everyone, like we are saying, being in that shift of mindset of, oh, I don't know what to be doing right now. I don't know how to better myself. So Mm. these ones we find are just relevant for people right now to make themselves better human beings.
0: That's right. I don't know if I've used the keyword mindset yet, but the book mindset, I was going to chuck it in there as number five.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would say that. Just, Just so you know, guys, I would say these aren't in any specific order. Some of them I'd probably argue maybe being slightly up, slightly down. But mindset definitely is a good one.
0: I'm just trying to remember who the actual author is. I think it's Carol Dweck. Uh, But mindset, it just basically talks about the growth mindset versus the... Fixed mindset. That's it. The fixed mindset. And what's the attributes of someone who exhibits growth mindset. You can fit in either one of these categories and it's the sliding scale. So you can actually be somewhere in the middle. And that's not a bad thing because everyone starts somewhere. i found in times that I've been on the... Uh, the, on the far left fixed mindset position at times and you would have to like, re, uh, re-educate yourself or just remind yourself alright, this is not who I am, I've identified myself as a growth mindset person, here are the attributes that I need to practice every day to be that person and so what this book provides you is, is basically with a, a kind of a comprehensive list a way to identify yourself as that and how to identify when behaviors leak into the, um, the fixed mindset realm so where you start off with when you're reading this book, you may, don't judge yourself. Don't try to automatically say, I'm a growth mindset person. I'm already hustling and killing it. Try to come in with an open mind, look at the book, read it, and try to identify yourself where you could be improving and make little incremental steps to developing yourself into a more growth mindset person. That's just the best way that I can uh, give in terms of a guidelines on how to interpret this book.
1: But that's number one. Or number five, from my perspective. Carter, do you have a number four? Just going back on that, I believe that if you walk into reading a book with the attitude of, I am already a growth mindset person and I am not going to learn anything from this, that pretty much tells me that you are a fixed mindset person and that you're also an idiot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I remember reading a book recently, actually. Uh, This is not part of the list, but uh, The Mindful Athlete. Yes. I I like that one. I think one of the points was get uh, whatever you're doing, learn to unlearn.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: And I think that's a big. It's fixed. It helped me out a lot because I'd always enter into a subject thinking I I know everything. I'm I'm the shit, and I everything that I have is already gospel. But coming into any scenario now, I try to make a conscious effort to say, all right, whatever is going to be said or taught in this in this setting, it's everything is up for debate everything is, is possible I uh, very much can be very wrong mm. so going into any scenario like that I think is a big part of uh, learning and especially going into any book it, you have to have that open mindset to be able to absorb the information even if it's wrong or, or right you know, having that ability to assess it and maybe cross check it in the future online or do a bit of research I think that's a big part of uh, even just, you know, practicing self-learning is too. So, yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah, that is a good one. Now, I'm not going to give as much of a full-on uh, explanation here as what Andy just did. So, sorry, guys, I'm not going to do like a full-on... Um, that was accidental. But <laughs> ...what is like a review of every single book we do. But one that is on my list, and the reason why I chose this one is because it is short, it is sweet, it is something that you could bang out in easily a day, maybe two if you don't like reading that much and you can start implementing it straight away. And I did reference it on this podcast before, and that is Perfect Day Formula. Hmm. There are much better books on the same topic, but I find this one is great in the way that it is simple it's easy. If you don't like reading, you can read it, you can start implementing it straight away, and you can learn some big things on it. That's about.
0: Craig Ballantine, right?
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. I think...
0: I remember following him a lot on YouTube and just social media in general. He's a smart guy, and he does a lot of... I think he right now coaches... Uh, CEOs and just really uh, high level high performing people now mm. uh, so you can definitely take a lot out of what he has to say in that book I haven't personally read it but it's definitely on my list I might just borrow it afterwards yep yep cool uh, do you want to talk about let's talk about number three yeah and this is like I think the most talked about book in the personal development realm ever like this is this is yeah. this is my second book Personal development book I've ever read, Uh, and it's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And if you haven't read this book, that's why it's on this list because it is a bare essential in terms of how to behave in life. I feel It, it taught me a lot of like, I remember reading it for the first time, and because I was quite new to personal development, it felt like a book of spells and like magic. It was like personal development, but it's like, wow, you actually have the ability to not manipulate your environment. Manipulate the way you respond
1: to it. Yep, and I love that. I love the whole process of react versus respond with everything that you do. Exactly. and um, So basically the book,
0: a quick little sum up of it is it's just how to not be a piece of shit, really.
1: Pretty much. Uh, I also think it's real relevant to people right now purely because people are spending less time around other people. People aren't being as social right now. Some people... (laughs) You know, we've all met those people. Some people really need a lesson in actually learning how to be around other people, you know, how to win friends Mm. and how to influence people. So it's a great time right now because you're not actually getting the experience of spending time with others. Sit down, read a book on it and learn something. Yes, right. I guarantee
0: like the really high performers out there, and I'm talking like alpha types, they've read this book or have at least, you know, would recommend it because it's just very well known. (laughs)
1: Um, Kai, do you have a number two you reckon you could uh, recommend? So my number two right now, this one, I wouldn't say this is exactly number two on the list, but one that is very missed. So something that is very relative to your health that is missed by a lot of people is sleep. So there's a couple of books here. I'm going to talk about one, but the book, Why We Sleep?, I find is very beneficial into learning about sleep and how important sleep is. Same deal. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but it is a factor right now that you can probably control more now than you've been able to for a very long time. So if you read this book and actually learn a little bit about it, you're probably going to actually want to implement more around sleep in your life because it is a very important process and very necessary process. So, Mm. I think that's a great one purely because you know now diving away from the personal development and now more into the actual health realm, I believe this is an important factor. Way more important than any nutrition book you could read. Way more important than any training book that you can read. That's right. I feel there are a lot of people combat, uh,
0: combating that notion that you only need six hours sleep, especially the people in the hustle realm where... I hate those people. Yeah, <laughs> I'm one of them. Um, now I used to be. I used to be before I realized how powerful it is to get the, the adequate amount of sleep especially for your chronotype mm. and when to sleep so i haven't read the book but it's definitely on my list because optimizing the time of rest is probably the most powerful thing you can, powerful thing you can do to optimize the time you're awake so that's definitely something that i think we should all dive deep into now especially now that we have the time to really optimize that area of our lives so yeah that's a good recommendation um last book Last book. It's not, again, it's not in any order, but it took me a long time to get around to this book personally because I felt it was going to be just another uh, rehash of what I already know. And it absolutely was not. It was probably one of my favorite books now. It's like top five of all time just because it had such a big impact into how I live life and how I organize life and its atomic habits. And I just forgot who wrote it. So I'm going to look it up. But basically, that book is—it doesn't give you the whole bare bones, uh, you know, smart, you know, measurable, whatever goal system that you probably have heard of already. It's all about figuring out how does how do goals act? Oh, sorry, goals. How do habits actually work um, mentally in your life and in your mind, and how that can apply to the goals that you set for yourself? And I don't want to. I'm not going to give you a whole uh, in-depth. Uh, uh, talk about this because I want to say up for the book, read yeah, please it. Don't. Yeah, it does a really good job of describing everything in terms of how um, of how to set your goals up and how to think about goals. Oh, and yep. So the author is James Clear. James Clear. So oh, you, you forget that one? Ah, uh, no, I'm horrible. It's my favorite book, but yeah, definitely this top five as a must read because imagine if you could change the aspects of your life that you knew were holding you back. This gives you a a blueprint to do that and an easy one as well. It has a lot of downloadable content that you can print out and fill out so that you can have a system right there ready to go. You don't have to get a journal just for this. You can print out the content and you have more time in the world right now to put these into place so you can come out of all of this chaos with better habits and a better life. I think that's a good place to end this. It's audio.
1: Yeah, completely agree. Go buy yourself some books and start actually, start focusing on what you can control.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, seize the day now because you can. And I think we don't really get the opportunity ever. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And uh, do what we can to make the most out of it. It may just mean answering less emails, focusing more on you. It's important. important. Exactly. Thanks, guys. Uh, and I guess we'll catch you in episode four. If you have any questions, please comment anywhere or email us or message us and we'll be happy to help uh, answer them in the next podcast. Also, what else do I want to mention? I do think that's any more... Oh, we don't that. have any sponsors yet, so if you want to sponsor us, uh, let us know in the comment section as well or message us. We'll be more than happy to... Mention you on the next episode. And uh, yeah, of course, check us out online. Uh, Go to our social media, like us if you could. And we'd really appreciate you. Like the people that spend even a few minutes giving us a bit of a review on iTunes or Google Podcasts, like you guys mean the most to us. Not the most. You mean a lot to us. You all mean the most to us. So
1: don't get too sappy.
0: Yeah, I only like the guys that review us. So anyway, thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Carter, any closing remarks? No,
1: nothing at all. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll catch you. See you guys.